Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. How are you doing today? Good. I, by the way, I've had a great weekend uh, so far. I was uh, out with my wife. We went to the Coho Cafe for dinner. And uh, as we were going to uh, pay the bill, uh, someone said someone had picked up the bill already. And I thought that was, and then so I'm looking around, and I thought, uh, it, it was over in Issaquah, which, uh, you know, there's a lot of people go to our Issaquah campus, so I don't always know them. They see me uh, on the screen, and like, except I'm like, you know, 15 feet high. And so, uh, uh, so I didn't know, and I looked around, and I literally saw four families that I recognized at least uh, from the church from the Redmond campus, and so I didn't know uh, who to thank. And so uh, I just thank God and because uh, I didn't, because I really, this is a question. How do you ask people without making the other three feel bad, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, no, literally, I, I'm like, I don't know how to pull that off, but it was great. That was uh, such a blessing. Uh, uh, better than actually the Saturday before, uh, was here at the Redmond campus, was, uh, in fact, the person may be here today. Someone comes up to me after service, and uh, me and Pastor Shane uh, with two water bottles, hands me one, hands Pastor Shane one, and I'm like, cool, and uh, I open it up, take a little drink, walk off. Uh, she tells Pastor Shane, uh, actually, I just wanted to, someone to help me open these. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> My life is like that. There's some things that uh, really can be uh, confusing and some things that can be difficult uh, to understand even when it seems really clear. And what I want to do for the next four weeks, four or five weeks, is we're going to look at the big stuff, the big stuff when it comes to life, when it comes to God. Uh, if you're one of these people and you say, uh, you know, I, I really want you to just get down to some of the big issues in life and faith, you are going to love this series. My guess is you're going to be challenged and get some information, even if you've been a Christian for 45 years, that you may have never had. If you're new to this whole thing, I think you're going to understand how God can bring clarity to the complexity. And that's really my hope uh, for today. And so I thought, what do I do? I want to start with an easy topic. And so today I'm going to talk about death. Sound good, huh? Death and what's next. Uh, you know, people get weird uh, around uh, death. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> read a number of years ago, uh, Keith Richards uh, was said when his dad died that he snorted cocaine in his dad's ashes, and later people were so horrified that he denied it, but more people believed him the first time than the denial because <laughs> it was Keith Richards. Uh, there, when it comes to death, there's all sorts of understandings in religion, uh, different faiths look at death in the next life uh, differently. If you're uh, 
from a Hindu faith, it's, uh, it's a cycle of, of reincarnation and, until you get it right, and then you cease to exist. Uh, for in, in Islam, if uh, you die a martyr's death, you go to heaven and uh, you uh, get to a hundred virgins, which I don't see what's in it for the women, but the, uh, it's sort of that's their faith perspective. It, it is. Uh, in, in Buddhism, you don't get anything when you die. You just get to die. And uh, in Christianity, there's this sense that this life and the next are both very real and very connected. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about death. But death is an uncomfortable topic, isn't it? Uh, it always has. In fact, we don't even use terms for death. We use terms like, uh, you know, ex, uh, passed away or expired, like luncheon meat or departed or something. We don't like to use it because it seems like such a big deal because it is a big deal. But here's, here's what I believe is the closer you get to death, the closer you get to understanding what you're to live for today. And so that's what I want to talk about. I was never more convinced of this. A, a buddy of mine, we were at Starbucks, and uh, introduced me to his friend Larry. And uh, Larry, I didn't get a hello. I didn't get how you're doing. He says, this is uh, uh, Ben. He's my pastor. This is Larry. And Larry goes, I nearly died. And then he goes right into the story. He said uh, he was up on the Sammamish Plateau. Uh, he was driving down. Uh, he, he had chest pains. And his wife was driving him because he wasn't feeling good already. They, were, uh, they, they thought uh, that they were going to go to the doctor. And they were over by the Costco over in uh, that part, if you've ever been there, in sort of Issaquah. And uh, he has these really bad chest pains. And he goes, I need to go to the hospital uh, now. And uh, so she sees a hospital sign, and she pulls right in uh, to the veterinary hospital. And uh, now I don't know how much of this story is true, but this is what he told me, uh, is uh, that his heart stopped beating. And so she goes in and says, help, help, my husband, his heart isn't, uh, or no, she goes, his heart isn't beating. And they're like, where's your dog? And she goes, no, it's my husband. And according to him, they brought out the little paddles, but they were the mini ones for dogs. And, you know, got him like 80 times. And he, uh, uh, they, you know, and think about the stretcher they had to bring him on. You know, he's like four feet hanging all over the place. Well, long story short is he survived. They took him to Overlake, and uh, he said, um, a week later, again, I was hit uh, on my bicycle, and they had to take me to the hospital, and I said, well, what did the vet say? <laughs> and, he, and he told me the story, and then about his friend who had a melanoma, and just, it, it's interesting when someone gets real close to death and they, they make it, it impacts everything to them. And so what I want to do is something probably a little bit weird, and we say no weird stuff, so this might be a little weird today, is I want us to get really close to this topic of death so we will really understand how God has created us to live. So, I'm going to share with you a scripture uh, 
And this is one of those, you know, usually uh, almost all Scripture is pretty encouraging, and a lot of the, the story, stories we'll hear are encouraging. This is actually a cautionary tale. This is sort of someone who didn't get it right. Uh, it's, you know, and when you think about that, it's not like uh, the woman caught in adultery in the Bible where, you know, there's this turning in a new life. And in this cautionary tale, we, we, in this odd story, we find out uh, a little bit about death, and it answers some questions. It says, there was a rich man uh, dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Uh, at the gate was uh, laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Not a happy scene, is it? So uh, we're not told a lot here, but we can fill in the blank. Uh, there's this guy named Lazarus. He's different than the Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. And there's this other person there described as a rich man. He did, he did nothing to help. Uh, there's an indifference. He didn't care. We get the idea that he's sort of a, a godless person. Uh, we don't know much about him. And then it says, uh, the time came when the beggar died. And so he faced death. We all face death. I've said this before. My uh, sister owned an insurance agency for 35 years. She retired. And she said, every time someone bought a life insurance policy, which, by the way, it's not life insurance, really. It's death insurance is really what it is. People would always say, I want to buy this if I die. There's no if, right? Uh, the mortality rate hovers at about 100% today. And uh, so I, did, I just want to let you know that. I know you're saying, Ben, you're usually so encouraging. Uh, we'll get to the encouraging part. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to teach more than preach today because I really want you to understand this because I'm going to have a little fun, but it couldn't be more important that we understand big eternal issues. And nothing is more so than this. And it says, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in ag agony. And then it goes on. There's sort of a, a discussion there. Jesus is telling this story, and, and uh, whether it's a literal story or an allegory, it's descriptive of uh, sort of an end of life and an end of life of someone uh, who decided to live that with God and apart from God. And then he says, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they also will not come to this place. And so here's someone who, who's, who's on the other side of death, uh, separated from God. And it's a, real, it's a real tough scene, isn't it? And we don't think a lot about death until it comes to a family member, until we get a diagnosis, Maybe we reach an age and a stage in life where we're losing some friends. And it's really important for how we approach the next life. But I think it's also radically important for how we approach 
this life. Well, what, do we, what are some things that we know in the Scripture? Number one is death is certain. Uh, like I said, approximately one out of one people will die. Uh, it says just as people are destined to die once and after that face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take it the way of sins of many, and he will appear a second time but to bring salvation to those who are waiting uh, for him. So we know death is certain. And here's something else that, that I would assert is that heaven is a real place. Uh, it's not something that's made up. It, it is not a metaphor. It is, it, it is a, a real place of existence. And the Scripture says that. We see that again and again. Uh, biblical belief embraces the physical world, that it's not evil. That's different than especially some Eastern worldviews and religions, which would maybe view the physical world as evil and you endure it. In, in, in a uh, biblical Christ-centered worldview, we believe that what we have is a blessing. Now, it can be misused, uh, we can abuse it, but that God has given us it as a blessing. And two, we see that uh, same thing in heaven, that, uh, that the physical world is redeemed. Revelation 21, 21, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and Jesus, as he talks about uh, him going to heaven, as him going to prepare a place for us after we die. We read in John 14, 2, it says, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And we get this sense, and I think every one of us get this sense, that there has to be something more. And I believe that God puts that in us. Whether, someone's, whether you're uh, the most committed atheist or the most committed Christ follower, you probably have this in common in, in most moments, that there's a sense that death is an interruption, that uh, death in the Bible is actually called the enemy. People say, you know, well, death is, is natural. Well, it is a natural part of this life, but it's not how God created you. God created you to live with Him for eternity. And so there, that sense of there, there is something more, God put that inside of you. I shared about the, before about the little church I pastored in Kingman, Arizona, the very first funeral I did there uh, was uh, for a lady, and she uh, died, and her daughter was distraught. Her mom had died. She was 101 years old, and she said, why did it have to happen so soon? And, and there, you know, even at 101, and 101, you're thinking, okay, I borrowed some time here, but there's a sense where you don't want that relationship to end. Uh, and I think that God puts that in you. Another thing we know about death and what's next is there are no pit stops. Uh, some of you were raised in a religious environment where you were taught about purgatory. 
And this is a place that's not quite heaven and not quite hell, but where you go to pay for all your sins. It's sort of like a junior high dance is what it's like. Uh, and so, uh, the concept was actually, uh, it's, it, for those of you in the Catholic Church, uh, by the way, even in the Catholic Church, it came uh, 1,400 years later. It wasn't until the Council of Florence in 1421 that this concept of purgatory uh, came up. And it's from an obscure verse, uh, not in the Bible, actually. There is no biblical literature, uh, but from Second Maccabees 1246, which is an apocryphal book. Uh, and the idea, though, Scripture is that that's not the case. That as people will say, well, what happens uh, when, when I die? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says this. We, we are confident, this is the Apostle Paul, and I, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, he, so we read there, there's this confidence that when he dies, that I don't have to go someplace and earn earn the salvation that Jesus has given, but that I am with God. In fact, Jesus, if there was ever anyone who needed to go to purgatory, it was this guy we meet in the Bible. Jesus, as he was on the cross, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, he's crucified between two criminals. Very interesting, uh, one on his right and one on his left. And it says, if you read the Scripture, that at first both are mocking him, both are making fun of him. Uh, and they probably just weren't criminals as well, just didn't, uh, people who, who stole something. Uh, they probably had, had done something somewhat egregious, maybe killed someone as well. But in the middle of it, one of them, he looks at Jesus differently. And he realizes that behind all his cynicism and all his sarcasm, that there's someone who's different. And that's Jesus. And so he simply says to Jesus, the last decision he really ever makes, probably the best decision he had made in his life, and he said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And then we read Luke 23, 43. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so there's no sense that he's going to a separate place, uh, that he's uh, going to a purgatory, is that when, when we die, if we die with God, we continue that life with God. If we die apart from God, we continue that life. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, number four, the, the soul and the body separate. Uh, you are not your body. Uh, it's called our flesh. Uh, there's a real you and a real me. Uh, some people will call it a, uh, that our body is like a tent. And uh, it's sort of, you know how it's been raining out? It reminds me of, you know, when it's raining out, sometimes uh, the, your tent can sag a little bit. Sort of what happens <laughs> in life as well, you know. Some of us are like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, it was either, you know, ideal image or heaven. I need a new body one way or another. And that, that we will get a, a, a new body that our, our soul and our body will separate. Jesus says this. Uh, 
He says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And Jesus is saying that, there's, uh, that, that who we really are will exist uh, forever with him. Well, the fifth reality that we learn about death and what's next is that heaven and hell are not hard to get into. Uh, that the, there, there's this idea, and this is that somehow, you know, I, I really have to do something big uh, to get into heaven. And the Bible makes it pretty clear, is that if we say, Jesus, you, you've offered to pay the price for all my sin. You've offered to really give me a full life now. If you say, I receive that, that's the decision. And, and some of us will say, well, doesn't it, shouldn't we have to do something? What can you do to add to God? It's just like, it's sort of when I was walking around the restaurant and wondering, hey, I can't, all I can, I'm just wondering who to thank. Uh, and then uh, hell is uh, separation from God. We don't know a lot about uh, what that looks like. We know it's not good, <laughs> you know. Uh, of the two options, I'm uh, hoping for the heaven option, not the hell option. And uh, we know this Jesus says, very, I tr very truly I tell you, the one in who believes in me has eternal life. That it's the simple act of saying, Jesus, I trust you. And that he's done the work. The work, the work is hard. I, w we talked about that. He went to a cross and he died and he suffered. And it was not for his sins, it was for yours and mine. And he rose again on the third day from the dead. And in that, not only verifying who he was, but we're told that we can participate in that resurrection life. And, and again, Christianity, as I've been talking about the last few months, is so radically different, especially if you're a student of religion, you'll understand how, how often ethnocentric and tribalistic they are. But we read something quite different here. In Revelation 7-9, this is as John's getting a, a revelation of what heaven is like. And he says, after this, I looked, and there uh, before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing there before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Now, long before our political environment talked about the value of every people. In fact, when it was quite unthinkable, honestly, that God talked about that, that He wants everyone to come to know Him. And it's the decisions that we make in this life. God won't force anyone to be with Him for eternity. It's, it's a decision that we all get to, to make. Uh, here, here's another one, too, is uh, number six, you won't become an angel or an alien. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, it's, people get, I, I actually uh, was down at our Castle Rock campus last weekend and got some interesting questions uh, as well, uh, that, that there are angels 
and uh, Roma Downey is not one of them, just to let you know that. Uh, but they're, uh, they're, they're different, and we don't become angels. It says, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, uh, do you not know that we will judge uh, the angels? You are loved, and every once in a while someone uh, will say this, and I get this, and there's, a, there's an emotive reason is, you know, well, their angel must be looking over me. When a loved one dies, because we want that sense of connection, that relationship. But if they, if they die in Jesus, know that God has so much more for them than that, and so much more for you than that. And the seventh reality is this, is that God created you for something more. Again, you get that sense. Everyone has that sense that, 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 that it's not enough. It's, it's sort of like when you go, well, they do them at the yogurt places, but long before uh, the yogurt places, you'd go to uh, Baskin and Robbins, uh, and you, you go there in the little pink spoons, you know what I'm talking about? Just enough to torture you. And they, get, and they, give you, they just give you a little taste. They have just, just enough to where you're like, mmm, I want more of that. And God, what He really wants to do is give you enough of His presence to where you would say, I want more of that. And when we live this life, and, and I know for some people it's difficult. For some of you, it's incredibly blessed. And you say, I would want more of that. And that's what I believe is God's promise because the Scripture says so. And I know it's the desire of our heart. We, we're told uh, what that looks like. It says, no eye has seen no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And we're told uh, about what, uh, what heaven looks like. Luke six twenty one through 23, it says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Rejoice in, in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. We're told in Psalm uh, 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Revelation 21.4, it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That God has created us to live with such a sense of his eternal plan that it drives everything we do. Why does this matter? Because what you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. If you believe that you are, you're created for eternity and the people around you, it, it'll, it'll impact how you treat other people. When you're struggling with maybe an area of addiction, and you feel like you're going to struggle for the rest of your life, you know that that's not the final judgment of who you will be. In fact, as we, uh, as, we, as we look at the Scripture and we look about what heaven is like and what happens uh, after, after this life, it all starts with a decision. 
in a decision where we invite Jesus front and center in our life. And I want, to, I want for some of you who, who are thinking, hey, the, all this heaven and what happens afterwards, man, that's just, uh, uh, that's what I want. Well, it all begins with a relationship. In fact, I want you to hear the story of Logan. Logan, uh, who's uh, at our church, been part of the young adults group, and, and was really raised in a household where God had been X'd out of the equation. Yet as he was working through his own issues and struggles, uh, and sort of hit a place where it's like, okay, I'm at the end of what I can do. Could there be something more? Could there be someone more? Uh, that's when he really opened up his life to God. And I want you to hear Logan's story. Hey, my name's Logan. I've been coming to Timberlake for six months. Growing up, I never really went to church or anything. My, my parents both kind of grew up in pretty religious households, and so they kind of grew resentments from that. And so, kind of growing up, that's kind of how my faith was based. I didn't believe in God at all. In fact, I was kind of a diehard atheist, and I had every reason that why you shouldn't believe and how it was a big racket and everything like that. Getting into my teenage years, me and my, my parents had a lot of problems. I had a lot of distrust towards them. I, I, I started picking up drugs and alcohol and things like that. and. When I found drugs and alcohol, I mean, it, for the first time, I kind of felt like there was a place where I belonged. You know, there was the group of people, and then also, I mean, doing the, the drugs, it, it, it made me feel comfortable in my own skin, which I had never felt before. Kind of hitting, hitting rock bottom for me was losing all the relationships that I had I had, had. I mean, I was, I was just working and then using and then working, and that, that cycle became very monotonous and, and meaningless for me, and I... I knew that something had to change. It, it had just become too unmanageable. I had been thinking about all the people in my life that I had met that had really strong faith, and I, I felt like I was missing something that they had. I had I'd been asking a friend I knew that came to church about his faith, and, and I asked him if I could go with him one weekend. And I started coming here, and I started coming every Sunday. And it, it definitely opened my eyes to the possibility that this could be the answer. And then I got involved in the young adults group and I started meeting more people in the church and meeting people my own age and and it it, it really helped kind of solidify my, my spot in the church. I talked to one of the pastors here and they, they kind of walked me through what it meant and how the whole faith thing worked. He, he pretty much just, just told me to like sometime when you're alone just make a prayer to God saying that you want to give your life over to Him and and that you are you're, you're devoted as a follower. Making the decision to follow Jesus and praying to Him saying that I knew He was real and I wanted Him to work in my life and I wanted what He had for me. And that's that was really the first time that it became personal. I decided to get baptized. And I, I wanted to make that outward expression that they talk about that baptism being going in the water and coming out and just, it was almost surreal. So Jesus to me is salvation and hope and love. He's, he's brought me out of a lot of really dark places that I've been in. And he's, he's brought me to be able to fulfill my potential and he's brought me happiness in my life today. And for that, I am forever thankful to him.
Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.